Welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast, your monthly source for conversations and curated content to improve your law practice with your host, Rocky Deer. Hello and welcome to the State Bar of Texas podcast recorded from the annual meeting in Austin, Texas. This is Rocky Deer and I'm the host for today's show, which is being sponsored by LawPay. Trusted by more than 35,000 law firms to accept legal payments online, it's the only payment solution offered as a member benefit by the State Bar of Texas. Joining me now, I have Penny Robe. Penny, welcome. Thank you. Happy to be here. So today's topic, your topic for, for today is going to be about the ethical use of contract lawyers. Yes. Which I don't know that a lot of lawyers think about, but before we get into that, Tell us a little bit about yourself. Okay, so I'm a solo practitioner in Plano, Texas. I've been practicing law 27 years. Hey, shout out to Plano. Yeah, yes. Plano's great. I, I'm, I, I'm in Plano, so are it's you? great. Oh, yes. cool, yeah. So, yeah, like a Granite Park area. Oh, okay. I'm at Shops at Legacy. Oh, yeah, very close We're by. We're right there, We should yeah. have lunch. <laughs> yeah, yeah we, we, could do the, we could do the little telephone thing with yes. the styrofoam cups. We really and, could. Yeah, absolutely. Stone throw, but they could <laughs> so we won't throw any stones. <laughs> That's, somebody will sue us for throwing rocks yeah, exactly. and hit somebody. And what do you do in your law practice? So, uh, my practice, I do probate and guardianships, estate planning. I do the family stuff like divorce and child custody, and I also do transactional business. I was in-house for about a decade, so I do small business, any business too small to have an in-house attorney. And then I was a JAG in the Air Force, so I also do a lot of military law. Oh, well, thank you for your service. Yeah, my pleasure, my honor. And I was a prosecutor before that, so. Oh, so double a, service to the yes, community. Yes, I have definitely an uncommon career path, so. Well, now, what got you into the topic of contract lawyers? How did that come about? So, I didn't start being in private practice until I was 17 years into my career. And wow. so, if law practice management became of high interest at that point. Sure. I'm I'm actually currently the chair of the law practice management committee for the state bar of Texas. Ah, so okay. all aspects of law practice management are of interest to me. And this particular topic, I wanted some help early on and I looked at the rules for how I could bring somebody into my firm in a way that I could afford. And doing it as a contract is a more affordable way than me picking up a base salary when I'm new at this and don't know that I'll have enough Benefits revenue. Benefits and the whole, the whole exactly. nine yards. Yeah. So, so so was there something that surprised you about the rules, like when you read it? The rules are surprisingly restrictive in Texas compared oh. to other states. The ABA rules are much easier and more generous than the Texas rules, but okay. our fee-splitting rules makes it a little bit challenging. Okay, can you can you walk us through? So what does the Absolutely. ABA rule say, you know, or what yeah. other states say, and then what happens here in Texas? So the ABA rule allows you to have somebody work for you and you know let's say I'm going to use not real numbers obviously sure. but let's say you're paying that attorney $100 an hour and under ABA rules you can charge the client 200 an hour or the contract attorney no problem mm. in Texas that is forbidden because that is fee splitting got it and so the only way you can pay your contract attorney one rate and then charge the client well there's a couple of paths why that you can do that which is you know, what I'm going to talk about. So one path to do it is going to be to truly have an outsourced attorney. So, and I actually do this for other people sometimes because okay. I'll draft military retirement division orders, for example. Okay. It's pretty specialized. It doesn't sure. come up that much for a divorce attorney and people hire out quadro attorneys, the same sure. kind of thing. Okay. So if you're going to do that, you just pay that attorney. They get paid what they get paid sometimes directly by the client, but you're not running it through your firm and doing an upcharge because mm. that would be fee splitting forbidden. So that's one way. It's just the straight pass through. You can bill it through your firm or not, 
but that outsourced attorney is going to get what the client pays. But the attorney who's doing the outsourcing does not mark up the fees in some way. It's still well, they just can, a straight they pastor. can themselves. Like, I mean, my fee is my fee, but it's the same as if their client is my client. Okay. So it's not a subcontract in the way gotcha. we sometimes think of it okay. in a business sense. Okay. So I'm basically helping that client and I can have an agreement through the firm, but they can't pay me a different amount than the client pays them for my services. If I'm truly outsourced like okay. that. Okay. So there's no upcharge allowed. Now maybe they could charge some administrative fee or see option two. Oh, the second path. Yes. Okay. The second path would be to have disclosed upcharge or discount to the client and the client has to consent in writing. Does that so, ever happen though? I mean, practically I, speaking, I does think it, it does not in the example, not in that example, but I think it does happen sometimes in personal injury cases, for example, okay. where you've had one firm do some work already and they are switching to another firm and it's a contingency case. You're going to have a written agreement mm -hmm. out of that final amount, who's getting what percentage. And that has to be consented to in writing by the client beforehand. If you're going to talk about this topic, then mm -hmm. I assume there are lawyers who don't know about these rules? Is, is there some, is there some level of, I do think, yes, of that ignorance are, maybe of what the law says, <laughs> what the rules say? I do think there is, especially because the ABA rules allow this. And so if people don't go to the right source, they can think they're ah. doing right because they're following the ABA guidance. And so they not. go on the computer, they search for yes. ethical rules on, on contract lawyers right. and they pull up the wrong set of rules. Yes. Or maybe they're using some national firm, you know, hmm. Because uh, some, there's some companies that have a business model to do this where they're bringing in contract attorneys, you know, mm -hmm. and it has to be written clearly in writing who's getting what. Or the next path, <laughs> you oh, know, is okay. to associate that sure. attorney with your firm. So if you're a firm that does temp attorneys, mm -hmm. you have to have a quote unquote firm of all those temp attorneys. Mm -hmm. And then you can pay your that temp attorney one thing, even if it's a contract versus an employment situation, and charge the client something else. But they're your, it's your firm, law firm. That's the way Texas views it. So I can definitely have a firm. I can have an attorney in my firm as an associate, for example, or of counsel. They have to be part of my firm, though, for me to pay them something other than what the client's paying them unless that client consents in writing. So if they're an associate, presumably that means that there's an employment relationship. And now the employment rules kind of come into play? Is Maybe, that... but you okay. can have an associate that you're paying as a contractor, depending on whether you're following, you then you gotta worry about the IRS rules, you know, mm -hmm. for when you have a misclassified employee. That's right. a whole nother talk. So then, so then they're not <laughs> just you, a 1099 employee. Right. Now you might have to pay 941 because well, it's a contractor, but they say that's, a, that's an employee. If Is you're that... paying somebody on a 1099, that's an independent contractor. That's sure. what I'm talking about. Okay. So if you're going to do that, you can, but they have to be part of the law firm if you're doing that rather than a W-2. Got it. So, so how, do you, how do you get somebody to be part of your law firm? You do it by basically putting it out there that they're part of your law firm. But when you do oh, that, they're okay. part of your professional liability. So okay. if you have the malpractice insurance, you need to include them. Mm -hmm. And also conflicts of interest is the big trigger there as well. So if somebody becomes okay. part of your law firm, mm -hmm. then all their conflicts are yours and all of yours are theirs. It's like a marriage. It is. <laughs> okay. Absolutely like a marriage. Yeah. So that's the big, you know, pros and cons if you're looking at it. So that's where if it's a one-off, like the example I was giving with drafting quadros, you wouldn't want to associate with every law firm that needs a quadro right. as a contract attorney. That would not make sense. Now, let's say you get a traditional contract lawyer 
and it and it's they're not part of your firm, then if you're if you're the lawyer hiring this contract attorney, are you now on the hook for any malpractice that that contract lawyer performs? What are your ethical obligations in that particular scenario? So if you've made them part of your firm, then you are. Sure. But if they're not part of your firm, they're, they're just not, a contract attorney. Then you're not. That's where you have to either do it as the straight pay. And I think doing that without telling the client is hard. Sure. Anyway, like you can have in your fee agreement, I have the right to hire subcontractor or other sure. attorneys. But if you're going to pay them other than what you bill the client for them, Mm-hmm. then it has to be revealed to the client. You know, it, it gets interesting because, like, some attorneys will say, well, well, I'll draft for you, ghostwrite for you. Sure. That has to be revealed hmm. because you're still fee splitting even if they get no fee unless you don't bill the client hmm. and everybody's working for free. But working for free is a form of fee splitting if you get paid for the work. You see what I mean? Got it. So okay. that makes it a little bit tricky Sometimes people will think, well, I can do a ghostwriter and never tell the client that that's an area where I needed help. You're not helping yourself to do that because then you're fee splitting in the other direction. Like we all think of it as don't fee split by upcharging and only giving 100 to the attorney, but you keep 200, you know. But the opposite is true as well. If you say, I'm going to get this help, but I'm not going to let the client know how much I needed the help. Yeah. (laughs) Like it's my first one and I needed help. If you bill that... That's a diff- That's the still fee splitting. So it's not like disclosure, full disclosure. Disclosure is, kind of is the key, absolutely. I'm sure there's a lot more in this topic to cover, but you know, I'll ask you kind of one final question just to kind of help the listeners know where to go if they're interested, so that they don't go down the wrong path. Yes. And they don't go to the wrong set of rules. Where should they go to get the right guidance on how to properly and ethically and legally bring on a contract attorney? Yeah, absolutely. So, well, if they're here, it's in my paper. <laughs> right? Okay, well, there you go. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, but the source materials I used in writing my paper, there's mm-hmm. a ethics opinion, number 577. And then the fee splitting rule is Texas Disciplinary Rules 1.04 subpart F so you on do, fee you just, splitting. You go to the State Bar website and look for those. Yeah, I, th- I think Texas Ethics maybe is oh, the Texas website okay. for the opinions, you okay. know, the ethics opinions. Sure, I can't sure. remember that website, but it's 577 is the opinion. And that, those are both attached to my paper as well. Okay. We're going to get to your paper in just a second, but it does look like we've reached the end of our program for now. I want to thank you, Penny, for, for joining us today. So thank yeah, you for being pleasure. here. Yeah, my pleasure. Absolutely. Now, if our listeners do have questions or let's say that they want to get your paper, what's the best way for them to reach you? The easiest is probably going to be email, which is... Pretty straightforward. Penny at robelawfirm.com. So Penny like the money. Oh. Robe like a judge wears. R-O-B-E-L-A-W-F-I-R-M.com. Nice. Okay. Unfortunately, that is all the time we have for this episode of the State Bar of Texas podcast. Brought to you by LawPay. Thank you again, LawPay. Thanks. Also, yeah, exactly. All right. Go Penny. <laughs> I use LawPay. Yeah, Thanks. we love that. <laughs> also, thank you to our listeners for tuning in. If you like what you heard, please rate and review us on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Spotify, or your favorite podcasting app. I'm Rocky Deer. Until next time, thanks for listening. If you'd like more information about today's show, please visit LegalTalkNetwork.com. Go to TexasBar.com slash podcasts. Subscribe via Apple Podcasts and RSS. Find both the State Bar of Texas and Legal Talk Network on Twitter, Facebook, and LinkedIn. Or download the free app from Legal Talk Network in Google Play and iTunes. The views expressed by the participants of this program are their own and do not represent the views of, nor are they endorsed by, the State Bar of Texas, Legal Talk Network, or their respective officers, directors, employees, 
agents, representatives, shareholders, or subsidiaries. None of the content should be considered legal advice. As always, consult a lawyer.